Hey, Oliver. Let's start off with a little game here. Do you ever wonder whether your sports betting is normal or if it has crossed a line into a problem? I mean, I don't think it's a problem. I do think about if it's a problem, but I, I, I personally don't think my sports betting is a problem. Okay. Have you ever sports bet more than you planned? Yeah, I would say that happened. And I'm, I think that's a common thing for sports bettors, especially if you place a few bets on a game, but if they lose early and you still want to watch the rest of the game, it's definitely common to place more bets if your first ones have lost. Do you spend a lot of time sports betting? I mean, one interesting thing about sports betting now is, of course, it takes five seconds to place pretty much an unlimited amount of money on one thing. But the time it takes researching what you want to pick and watching the games, of course, that takes a lot of time. Would you say your tolerance with sports betting has gone up? You know, the usual doesn't really hit as much as it used to. Yeah, starting off, I think for most people, maybe it's even just a dollar, maybe once a week. And it's like, oh, maybe cool to win a dollar if you win your bet. But I think now it has to be at least five, ten. I mean, as time goes on, you just need to place more money. Do you ever have the feeling that you need to place a bet right now? Yeah, I'd probably say that's most prevalent. Right now, it's the NHL conference finals. Of course, the Blackhawks aren't very good. And so normally, I wouldn't care about the teams. But because it's these important games kind of between two random teams, definitely crave like each of those. And do you ever give up other activities, you know, like possibly doing homework? Yeah, if there's a lot of money on a game, I definitely put aside homework just to watch the end of the game and then do my work after. Has sports betting ever caused some friction or tension in certain relationships that could be parents, teachers, friends? Not hugely, but it does sometimes, I think it commonly could create like a mistrust between child and parent, even if... It's known that you sports bet, especially if you lose, that would definitely create big friction there. Do you ever have withdrawal from I actually betting? personally have not experienced this, but I know of a friend who traveled to California where, of course, sports betting is illegal, and they were trying to find someone to place bets for them because they couldn't do it themselves. The last two here. Have you ever gotten into legal trouble or know anyone that has gotten into legal trouble because of sports betting? I do, actually. One of my friends' his older brother got mixed up with a bookie that he owed like $600 to. And he got so far down and I guess he didn't have the money to pay it back. So he completely ghosted the bookie. But eventually the bookie sent out a guy to figure out his information. And they finally contacted his parents, who of course were mad at the child for being down and also contacting an illegal bookie. And eventually the parents had to pay the bookie back. But that's a dangerous situation. Okay, and last one. You want to stop, but you can't. That could definitely be prevalent. I mean, sometimes you're down and you just want to place this one last bet to be even and then delete it. But of course, it doesn't really happen that you make it all back. Okay, so now the game is over. And I noticed that you answered yes to a lot of those questions. Okay. Uh -huh. Yeah. But what if I told you this? What? That game was to see if you're an alcoholic. And I replaced the word alcohol with sports betting in each one of those questions. That just proves this is a yeah. serious issue. And there needs to be a conversation about sports betting. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Gambling on the Future. I'm co-host Oliver, and alongside me is my friend and the very insightful Kyle. Hello, everyone. Today, we will be diving headfirst into a very controversial topic that demands our attention. 
the impact of sports betting on the younger generation. Yeah, I do think as the popularity of sports betting continues to skyrocket, I mean, we can't ignore the potential consequences that it might have on us and, and the youth. We do see it every day. It is in the hallways and it's in the group chats with friends. It really is everywhere. Um, and I do think that our generation finds itself at a bit of a crossroads of technological innovation and unprecedented level of exposure to sports betting and gambling. I mean, we will talk more about like why sports gambling is a thing, but I do think that like the quick win and that excitement of placing a bet and possibly winning money, um, it's really it's a potent cocktail that can ensnare even the most unsuspecting. And I think it is time to engage in a meaningful conversation about the risks posed by sports betting. And there will be an impact on our generation's future, so we have to discuss that. All right, Kyle. How do you think we should dive headfirst into this complicated and really controversial problem of teen underage sports betting? Well, that, that's a good question. You know, um, in full honesty, I've been thinking a lot about that. How should we open this podcast? And I've come and I've reached the conclusion that in order to really understand the magnitude of this problem, we do have to connect a face to the issue. So without further ado, uh, Josh, who is a classmate of ours and a close friend of ours, uh, who will talk about his experience with sports betting. So could you tell me about the first time you bet on sports? How did you decide to pursue it? And how did it originally make you feel? I think my first bet was last last December. And I was in I was at a Premier League game with my family. I went in for I think ten dollars with my brother to bet on a game to give us some excitement. And it definitely it made the game more enticing. I watched every play, which I usually wouldn't do with soccer. Yeah, it made me feel good. How does it feel when you win? I think when the bet hits, it's just added joy. But I think having the bet place, like there's a lot of joy that comes with that. Like it's a very exciting game. And then I think the bet winning is just the cherry on top. And it allows you to do more bets in the future. On the flip side, what does a loss feel like? Can you walk us through your thinking when I, when you experience a loss when your bet yeah, hit? Losses hurt. It definitely it sets you back both financially and emotionally. You really get into the bet, and then when it loses, it's like it's kind of demoralizing, you know. And you're like, "Damn, I got to make this money back." And I guess when you lose a lot, that's when addiction starts. So, are you up right now? I am up. Good. Yes. So, first, do you bet with a mobile app now? I know you started with the Premier League, which you're just your friends, but do you have like an app to place bets on sports? Yes, currently I'm using FanDuel Sportsbook. Um, and then, I guess, were ads on TV enticing to you getting a mobile app? I know they're, like, recently, their media prevalence has greatly grown. Yeah, I think all the ads, like, all these, like, crazy bonuses, it's definitely enticing because it just looks like free money. Obviously, like, that's partially the case, but there's definitely, like, other risks that they don't mention. But I would say that that was a significant contributor in my joy of the game and then i'm sure you know that it's illegal for under 21s to sports bet you're a junior 
Um, mm. But do your parents know about this? My parents do know about this. They're the reason I have an account. They make sure it's under control. And I'm do- placing smart bets using some knowledge and not just randomly guessing. That's kind um, of interesting. Do you think that if your parents didn't allow it, you would still try to do it without their knowledge? And do you think it's yeah. like almost a savior that your parents are allowing it but making it a controlled experience? I do think if they didn't allow it, I still would seek other ways, either whether that be through friends or other ways to sports bet. So I do see in a way it's like more controlled that they're letting it happen. Yeah. And like now they can make sure things don't get out of control. Like obviously they will like with a gifted better like me, but like if they were, you know, do you think that this is an issue? Do you think there's a problem at Parker with sports betting? Well, I think when you give a kid an account and they have no knowledge about sports, there's going to be an issue. They're going to lose money and especially Parker, you know, financially they're probably okay. They're going to give that away. So I do think there's an issue. Okay. This is a highly prevalent issue, you're saying. Yeah. Can I talk about my bets for tonight's game? I actually have three plays. Wow, that's kind of a lot. Yeah. You want to hear? Well, okay. Well, one of them's a free bet. I just want to get that out there. So I have... Interesting you say free bet. Is it really free? Like, what do you mean by a free bet? Completely free. Completely free. A $3.50 bonus bet. How, how did you how did you get that bet? Just by being a loyal customer. So I have a one parlay. Jokic under seven and a half points in the first quarter. Murray over seven and a half points in the first quarter. MPJ under four and a half points in the first quarter. AD under seven and a half points in the first quarter. And LeBron over five and a half points. That is a times twenty point six parlay. So that leaves me like how many bets do you say you place a week or like a month? Three per night. You think that's a lot? Or? It's definitely a heavy night tonight. Usually not. Well, it actually depends how the week's going. If I'm winning. Like last night, I made $30. So may, may as well bet. So then if you, like, do you say you chase losses? Like if you go down big in a night, the next day you'll bet more? Or is it not like that? Sometimes. <laughs> Usually not. <laughs> Usually not. I mean, I would say if I lose on a parlay, I place it on the, another one on the same game. Interesting. So have you, like, how, what's the, mo- I know you're up right now, but what's the most you've lost in the night? Right, 15. Oh my God. That's big money. But I make that back. What's the most you've bet on one thing? Just one single. I, I would say a hundred. Oh, that's, that's a lot of money. Can you afford to lose that? It was a bonus. It was like, if I were to lose that, I have a bit of a safety net with $100 back. I'm curious to see what the administration thinks about this, if it's a problem or not. So let's bring in the dean of students at Parker um, and see what he has to say. So how aware are you of the prevalence of teen sports betting and gambling in our school and our local community? Well, betting and as someone who does not watch sports, is not interested in sports, doesn't bet on anything, is not interested in betting, it's it's something that's I'm never thinking about or never aware of. But there is one colleague of mine in particular who talks about this a lot. And so I don't really ever think about it unless this colleague brings it up to me. Is it something I should be thinking more about? Maybe. I don't know. 
I've never, a parent has never brought this to me. Students have never brought this to me. I have never seen it happening in the hallway. And again, maybe I'm just not looking for it. What policies or measures do the school currently have in place to address the issue of teen sports betting and gambling, if any? It's not allowed. Gambling is not allowed. Okay. States it in the handbook. Okay, Kyle. So it's clear the dean of students and kind of the faculty member with the most control over punishment and regulation of, I mean, sports betting is illegal for any minors. But, like, there has to be some teachers who are aware of this issue. I think maybe... Mr. Greenstone, our sociology of sports teacher, would, he seems to be known as kind of the one teacher who thinks about this. Let's see what he has to say. How do you see the issue of sports betting in and around Francis W. Parker School? I've seen a real explosion in uh, just number of students who are gambling on sporting events over the last three, four years. And it's really striking. It's, you know, there's always been NCAA pools and those have been fun and relatively low stakes. I think about the number of the amount of money that the kids are putting into it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a time limited event and it's kind of got a pretty wide net of who participates. You don't have to be a fan of the sport, but what I've really noticed over the last few years is the proliferation of these sports betting apps that are on everybody's phone. And my students who are more into sports seem to be making real bets, gambling. And of course with the phone, you can do it anywhere, anytime. And it's really striking for someone of my age. I'm 51 years old, and I remember when I was the age of my students, there was, you know, I didn't know anyone who who really bet on sports. Okay, Kyle, clearly there has to be a disconnect somewhere because, I mean, Mr. Greenstone, he's into sports. I think he can relate more to sports than most teachers in the building. He teaches sociology of sports. He says that sports betting is a problem, but then dean of students says this isn't an issue. So where is the drawn line? Maybe Mr. Maybe Mr. Bruno's right, and it's not an issue. Let's talk to Dr. Childry, our school counselor and psychologist, to see if sports gambling and the possible addiction it causes is a substantial issue that people should be worried about. Maybe it's really not a bad thing for kids to be involved with sports gambling, but yeah, let's just hear what the professional has to say. Everyone welcome Dr. Gary Childry. What are the potential psychological risks and consequences associated with teen gambling? So gambling in most cases can be seen in an extreme case as a way of compensating or a way of handling stress or distress, feeling overwhelmed with school, needing to be distracted or move away from that. Also, Gambling, like many sort of behaviors, can be self-rewarding in and of itself. You know, if you pull a lover at a casino and get bingo or get a jackpot, there's a dopamine release in certain parts of your brain, basically the limbic system, that makes you feel good and happy. Just like if you like someone and they write you a text or something, whoa, you know, you, you have that expression. So... The problem with it is it can get out of hand. It can be time-consuming, especially like football gambling and stuff. You know, you have teams fantasy football, then you can bet on that. Two, if you're really playing for money, some kids have lost quite a bit of money. And then you have secondary feelings like guilt, 
for losing money, anxiety that you're going to get found out, depression, like, oh, God, I've lost this money, I'm in a bad case. So all those secondary feelings can really interfere with being in school and even being in relationships. And what are the long-term effects? Okay, like any maladaptive coping strategy, it can grow and continue and get it even worse as you grow older. Like any habit, if it's very sustained, it can literally become an addiction and interfere with your life and seriously compromise your life, I'm guessing here. 50, 60 kids gamble. So we're talking maybe 10 to 20% kids here. I would say maybe 5% have really serious problems. And I'm making these numbers up because you know, I'm an adult, I'm a counselor. It's a wonderful way for folks to get together and not, I mean, think of it, there are alternatives to playing cards and gambling. But it, your brains are so seductive, it's easily to get imprinted and become a problem at this age than if you waited. So. Okay, we'll close with this question. What are some effective treatment options? Are there any? I'm just thinking, the best I know, psychotherapy, for when it starts to go off the rails, there are programs for this, there are groups for this, you know, gambling, anonymous. So that, again, that's like the 1% or 2% that are really going... My fear is, and I know this is not a question, is there's gambling everywhere now. You know, you're watching the NBA playoffs or in college. You know, college, you know, they have fan, what is that? DraftKings, like, oh, ads yeah. everywhere. Wrigley oh. Field, they just built a new DraftKings, like, whole center. Yeah. yeah. The Bears Stadium, United Center. Yes, and you get attractive people doing it, you know. Oh, it's just like, I just think it's, the more it is, you know, it's kind of like alcohol or any sort of drugs, you know, the, the more available, the more prominent it is, the more people are going to experiment. And for maybe significant of those experiments, it's not going to be a problem. You know, like if you go to a party and not endorse this, you drink a beer, two beers, like, you know, no problem, you know, right. but... There's a lot of alcohol, and it tastes good, and it's just like everybody's doing it, or more people are doing it, then that's where it becomes. And I think, unfortunately, that's where we're going. And I do think certain people are more susceptible to it. And I think teenagers in particular, as you're, if you remember, freshman health, your frontal lobes are still developing, and it can be shaped in a way that makes you even more susceptible. Okay, so one thing I'm wondering, Oliver, is how has sports betting become so popular? I remember, you know, our history teacher, Mr. Greenstone, saying that when he was younger, you were seen as like a degenerate or just, you know, a bad kid a if, you were, if you were, you know, placing bets or gambling. And now the culture has really shifted. Can you talk about why that is? And even when, since we were in like sixth or seventh grade, I feel like there's been a huge uptick. So can you kind of explain why that is? Yeah, 
In 2014, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver, who's the first major commissioner to advocate for the legalization of sports betting, he claimed that it was inevitable that sports betting would occur because it started like illegal bookies were coming, becoming more common in newspapers, lines on games would be pro- produced, analysts would be talking about their best picks for the game. Supported by FanDuel and DraftKings companies like those, popularity began to grow and sentiment shifted towards pro sports betting. Then, in 2018, there was a shocking court case, Murphy versus the National Collegiate Athletic Association. Much what this did was it overturned a federal law that banned sports betting, and instead it left legalization or illegalization of sports betting up to states. So right away, 10 states declared sports betting legal, and soon companies like FanDuel, DraftKings, they had collected so much money, and it was part of their plan for once sports betting became legal, to lobby the hell out of all the regulators. There were cases of them buying expensive wines, vacations, nice trips, just straight up cash to lawmakers in hopes of legalizing sports betting and limiting regulation as much as possible. And the final break that allowed sports betting to just exponentially grow was COVID. So um, while COVID did shut down most things, and of course it did famously shut down sports from March until July, Once it opened back up, all sports betting companies targeted ads crazy. In the empty stadiums, the seats were covered with sports betting ads. The boards of the hockey rinks had sports betting ads. The floor of NBA games was covered in FanDuel DraftKings ads. They spent tons and tons of money normalizing this thing. And this was especially targeted to men from the ages of 18 to 35, the group that was proven to be most prone to addiction. With this normalization... Now, over 30 states have mobile sports betting allowed. Some you have to be 18, some you have to be 21. And, I mean, as we can see, it's clearly not thought of as an issue. But what these companies have done is they've created, impressively, somehow made something that is was so taboo into something that, like, you're cool if you do it. Just because of celebrities shouting it out, its popularity, ease of use, all these factors. I wonder if, like, I mean, talking to Mr. Bruno... It seems like the school has no plans on, like, creating awareness to this issue, which, like, does affect a large group of people. I wonder if what they could do or what they will do at any point to, like, raise awareness or, like, how do you denormalize something like this that has clearly been normalized and is pretty much okay? Like, no repercussions, no anything for betting besides, oh, it's technically not allowed. Well, it's interesting to think about it in this way. You know, gambling is an addictive behavior, right? Yeah. So is drinking alcohol, using drugs. And we have education on all that stuff, right? We, yeah. They say, you know, don't do this. Don't. Obviously, I'm not saying, you know, using drugs is at the same level as gambling, but they're not too far off. So I'm just, we really do need, as a school, they should be providing education about this because this is an issue. Another aspect, going on to your point of drug, gambling is proven to give a dopamine release in your head, which is affecting the biochemical hormonal relationships. Mm -hmm. And, like, this is another thing, like, social media, gambling, sports betting, especially because it's mobile. At what point do, like, we draw a line where, I mean, drugs and alcohol clearly Mm -hmm. affect dopamine levels in your head. But at a certain point, is it, like, this is serious. We are changing the chemical makeup of our brains and eventually it could have a lasting impact going later in life. And now we have this whole new generation of, I'd say, mostly males who are dealing with this 
addictive behavior that we really don't know what the lasting outcomes could be. Okay, that's a very interesting point. And here I have a question for you, Oliver. Yeah. I think at this school there's a theme of kind of, you know, criminalizing or making the, especially like the senior boy group, like extremely, they're like doing bad stuff and oh, you know, yeah, they're absolute sure. menaces. Oh, Do you think part of the reason we're not acknowledging that this is an issue is because they are honestly probably the biggest group in the school that are affected by this topic. Oh, 100%. Other than like probably junior boys too. Yeah. Do you think that's why we're not having this conversation? Yeah, I think you bring up a really good point. We've talked about this throughout the rest of our time in Sociology of Sports with Greenstone, but there's a lot of issues that I think this group of men who by like some would be considered just toxic masculinity, I'd say pretty much all straight males, I don't know, all play sports, kind of jockey. But studies recently have shown they're struggling in school. The PA gap is huge between guys and girls now. Mental health-wise, they're falling behind. Yeah, yeah. I do wonder, this seems to be another, like, ailment, and maybe it acts as an escape for these males who feel like they're kind of being left behind and don't really know what to do. Right. But, I don't know, it seems like neglect that all these other issues that, like, alcohol is clearly taught, don't drink, don't do drugs... But this isn't one of them. Let's bring Mr. Greenstone back in to see his thoughts. Is there like a certain demographic that you see is most affected by this issue at Parker? Well, male, 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 male. Right. I mean, I don't know of any female students who have sports betting apps on their phones and are making bets. I literally have not heard of it. I definitely agree. It's basically 99.9999. What do you guys think that is? I mean, I think it starts with... Just in general, there are more male sports fans than female sports fans. But going deeper into that, Parker doesn't offer much, at least at the school, for them. And I think sports betting can be kind of one escape when they feel left behind by many of the things that Parker does. Yeah, I mean, we're... I I don't think, by the way, I don't know that there's... Parker, a lot of kids at Parker have means financially. And so maybe there's more betting here than the average school. I'm not sure. Yeah. But I think that feeling you're describing, Oliver, is probably pretty widespread. In fact, you know, we yeah. talked in class. There's a new book out called The Boys and Men that is, talks about exactly this issue of how school, current schools maybe aren't set up in a way to engage, you know, typically male yeah. students. And, yeah, it seems to be like this unmet, unmet need for what do you guys think it is for competition, for risk? I think it almost adds a sense of value when you win a bet. You're like, oh, wait, I'm pretty good at this. You, you feel can, smart, right? Yeah, you feel you accomplished something, yeah. which I think is feeling more and more rare, at least in modern day, for a lot of males. Going off this point, like, do you think this is part of the reason sports betting is not really seen as a super big issue by most people at Parker because of the demographic that it affects? You guys would tell, tell me, but I feel like... I do feel like there's sort of a lack of understanding among a lot of the faculty of just like what makes a lot of our male students tick. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like I'm maybe teaching sociology sports. I'm a little bit closer to that. Yeah. I don't claim to have the solution. Let's put that out there. Right. But I think it's quite striking that we have a pretty significant percentage of our population illegally gambling during the school day, which you can confirm is true, right? Oh, fully true. Yeah. And like I can't, quite think of any other illegal activity that wouldn't attract more discipline. We talked to the Dean of Students, Mr. Bruno, 
And of course, he says betting's not allowed, but clearly there's not much being done about it. What do you personally think that Parker should do about sports betting at school and also just as like a cultural trend for many of their students? And one thing to add on, like we've seen that this is going to have both short ter- short term and long term effects on these kids. So like this is a serious issue. And we did a little game earlier asking a bunch of questions about like to see if you're an alcoholic and switch the words alcohol with yeah. sports betting. Fun. And literally they're like the, the same. same. Same thing. Yeah. Like they all they're interchangeable. I mean, I don't look, I don't have the answers. Yeah. Here's what I would say. The the problem's bigger than the school. It's anything with phones is gonna be hard to enforce. They're very personal to people. They're on their body. No, you know, they're password protected. Like it's, you know, obviously the school could shut down. Actually, do you guys know, can you use the Wi-Fi to get to these gambling sites? You can't, but if you're on like your cellular data, it's very right. easy. To, well, like, there's nothing you can, you can do go on, on that, right? Apps, but you can't go on like the websites. But, but could you use the app successfully? You can yeah. definitely use your on the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Okay, well, the first thing I would say is let's disable that. Now, it doesn't really solve the problem, right? Because you can yeah. just use your cell data. Right. But, like, they should do that. And then the problem is that it became normalized in the culture. And, by the way, the pandemic was a big part of it, right? Yeah. And I understand why that happened. But, like, man, I don't, like, we're not, a school can't solve it, yeah. you know, when it's woven into the broadcasts like it is. Yeah. When it's just normal, it's a cultural problem, and we're downstream of that culture. Right. And it's going to be very difficult for any one institution to be like, this is, you know, we're going to make it stop. Yeah, but yeah. one thing I would kind of add, or my own opinion, is I think first Parker needs to acknowledge that there is an issue because I think, how many people do we interview? Six? Yes. I think five out of six said it's not an issue that we should be Of adults about. or students? Adults Both and students, students and adults. Okay. So I think that's the first thing we need to do because it is an issue, and we're basically – Three, no, there's like four people in this whole entire school that think this is a highly problematic. Here's a question for you, okay? What is the responsibility of the school versus parents? I think what they're doing, by denying the fact that there is a problem, they're just totally, I I just think, like the parents think it's okay. Exactly. school thinks, if school doesn't talk about it, the parents are like, Oh yeah, I mean if it's if it's five dollars a week every two weeks, exactly. that's fine. We can afford that. Yeah, it's Parker fun. family doesn't care about even a hundred bucks a week. Like who yeah. cares, honestly? Like oh, I'll give it to you. It's not going to really have an effect. Yeah. But if Parker says no, this is an issue. The your kids yeah. should not be doing 100%. this. One hundred percent. Then honestly, I what I'm curious. I'd love to do a little study on this. But I mean, like in fifteen years, I want to see where these senior boys are. One hundred percent. And yeah. I want to see. If it, ver, that versus if the school was involved and said no, absolutely no, yeah. not just like a one email saying don't bet on March Madness, yeah. they really put their foot down. I mean, gosh, I agree. And like, I think someone could argue, like, well, in the past, people the numbers on people gambling in the past to now are like overall similar, but high schooler in the 1900s they're not go like they don't have a phone to bet on they'd have to go to a casino or go to a bookie because it's mobile now i think it's so much bigger we've never seen anything like this before and i think the consequences 10 to 15 years from now as you said could be insane and like this is an act this is a issue that needs immediate resolution and I think the reason you know we we're talking this about this with Dr. Childry that like you know parents aren't like really stopping this and based off the interviews that we're talking about with kids like their parents are like kind of supporting them doing it 
the only reason these parents are they don't know anything about it, which is a which is a problem in society that we're not fully educating yeah. people that gambling's bad and it's going to lead to further addictive behavior. Yeah. Okay, so now I think we should really dive into the connection between socioeconomic status and sports betting. We're lucky to be at this private school in Chicago, Francis W. Parker where, I mean, regarded by many other places at this elite kind of bratty institution, our parents pay 40000 a year to send their kids here. So how do you think that dynamic affects it? I mean, these kids clearly, for the most part, have money. Yeah, how does sports gambling play a role in other schools? Not just private schools, but any, like, public schools or private schools. I think at Parker, if you're not... I think kids could definitely, like, start going into their credit cards or their parents' credit cards. And Dr. Childry says every year he has at least one or two cases of serious gambling addictions in kids where they'll be down a lot, owe money to either the bookie or their sports app, and they have to go ask their parents for money, which at Parker is, while it's probably not a good thing, doesn't teach them the lesson of not gamble. At other schools that aren't as, like, where there's not this extra safety net of, like, monetary wealth... How does it work there? I mean, I'm sure other schools have the same, like, sports-loving kids who would be the prime target of a sports betting addiction, but it can just be a huge danger when you have kids who put their own families in debt just because of this targeting by DraftKings, FanDuel, and these other companies. Okay, here's my hypothesis. Yeah. The reason people at Parker don't think that sports gambling is an issue is because of the environment we're in and because the consequences of sports gambling are not fully seen here because yeah. of the safety net that you said, you know. Yeah. At another school, if some kid's really into sports betting and they're losing, you know, kids lose here too, obviously. Yeah. You know, we had sure. one interviewer that said they haven't won one bet ever. Yeah. But, I mean, at other schools, they can't just go to their parents, so then yeah. the school would see more effects on that kid. You know, they would have yeah. to do something else. Yeah, that's a great point. Parker doesn't have to care if they're kids, but at other schools, like, you can't have families struggling because of this issue. And I'm sure that Parker parents, of all the issues that they may have with the school, their kids' betting probably isn't one that they care enough to bring awareness to and hope the school can shut it down. Because it's, like, mostly upperclassmen. Can you talk about, like, how sports gambling serves as an outlet? Can you talk a little more about that? Yeah. I mean, I think... As we've said, as we've talked to in some of our interviewers, like winning, of course, feels great. It's like, oh, wow, I just made money. I mean, you could make more than you'd worked in an hour at the job. It seems like quick, free money when you're winning. And I think especially during something like junior year, of course, you have heavy course load trying to strengthen your GPA for college admissions. You have ACT. And then going later on, summer, you have college essays. Then you do your supplements, first semester of senior year. There's a lot of stresses going on, and it feels like you're almost deciding your whole life. And I think that this gambling targets these people who feel there's no other way to escape. There's not very many victories in this period, it seems. And winning is, of course, one of them. But I think that's extremely dangerous because, of course, on the other side of winning is losing. And that is... I mean, as we've heard, extremely common in the sports betting world. And I think it'd be extremely dangerous for the mental health, the immediate mental health of kids who, oh, they might have messed up a test. Their grades are kind of slipping in this one class. 
well, let's just make a bet, and then you lose another hundred dollars. Right. That could be a spiraling and very bad effect on the mental health of many people whose brains are not nearly developed yet. Yeah. So let's break down the issue, okay? Yeah. The reason sports gambling occurs is because for multiple reasons. What's one of them? Stress. Right. It's an outlet. Yeah. Another one is the just like the major like accessibility and the major. Yeah. Super easy to get. I was at a Cubs game last night. And yeah. the, literally on the board, there was, like, FanDuel and DraftKings. Yeah, that's like, crazy. it's insane. Okay? That's, and then also, I feel that people not seeing it as an issue makes it more of an issue. I think that's 100%. one thing. It, that, okay, then the next thing is there's nothing being done. So I feel like that's kind of the root of the problem. Yeah, stress. It's everywhere. Literally, sports gambling and betting is everywhere. And then... Really, no consequences for it at the moment. No one, I mean, of course you say, oh yeah, you probably shouldn't sports bet, but there's no PSAs. Yeah, do not sports bet. That's not a thing. After listening to 45 minutes of all things sports betting, if you were to take one thing away from this podcast, one so what, I believe Mr. Greenstone says it's best in the following clip. The habits are being formed now. But I don't think the consequences are going to be paid until later. Yeah, I agree. I think we just have to stay tuned and see what happens. 